Saturday, May the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the WHO approves China's COVID-19 jab, and America reports disappointing jobs numbers. First, the week in brief. The World Health Organization approved a COVID-19 jab developed by Sinopharm, a Chinese firm for emergency use around the world. The WHO found it to be 79% effective in preventing symptomatic cases and hospital admissions in all adults. So far, the organization has authorized six jabs. Meanwhile, France's President Emmanuel Macron followed the lead of Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, and came out against patent waivers for coronavirus vaccines. The bigger problem, he said, was Anglo-Saxon countries blocking exports of the jabs. As many as 6.9 million people may have died of COVID-19 worldwide, double the official death toll. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington found that nearly every country underestimates its number of deaths. Many count only those that occur in hospital or as a result of a confirmed infection. Some 266,000 jobs were created in America last month, significantly below the 1 million expected. Both the unemployment rate and the number of unemployed people remained nearly unchanged at 6.1% and 9.8 million, respectively. Despite increasing vaccination rates and an easing of restriction measures, American businesses have struggled to recruit workers. Chinese exports soared by 32% in April compared with the same month last year. The economic recovery in America, combined with factory closures in other parts of the world, spurred demands for goods made in China. Chinese imports also jumped, rising by 43% compared with April 2020, the fastest growth since January 2011. Copper prices hit a record high. The commodity, seen as a bellwether for the health of the global economy, rose by 1.4% to $10,361 a tonne, surpassing the previous peak set in 2011 during a commodities boom. Demand comes from China and the green transition in rich countries. The metal is needed for electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. Amnesty International redesignated Alexei Navalny, Russia's foremost opposition leader, as a, quote, prisoner of conscience. The human rights group was roundly criticized after it removed that status from Mr. Navalny in February, a move met with glee within the Kremlin. Amnesty had withdrawn its designation because Mr. Navalny had in the past made crude statements about illegal immigrants, views he later disowned. A federal grand jury indicted four former Minneapolis police officers on charges of violating the civil rights of George Floyd, a black man whose killing set off a summer of massive racial justice protests last year. Derek Chauvin, who was recently convicted of second- and third-degree murder and manslaughter after kneeling on Mr. Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes, was among those indicted. Fact of the day Over 50 monetary authorities representing the bulk of global GDP are exploring digital currencies. And corrections. We reported that IBM's new chip was projected to achieve 45% higher performance while using 75% less energy. That should have been 45% higher performance or 75% less energy, but not both at the same time. In another item, we referred to the Welsh Assembly. Since last year, it has been the Welsh Parliament. Apologies.
And now, here's today's agenda. A yarn respun, Ariadne. In the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur, the hero's success, namely his escape from the labyrinth that had been built to contain the beast, would not have been possible without Ariadne, a Cretan princess. In love with Theseus, she had given him a ball of thread to guide him out of the maze after slaying her monstrous brother. According to one version of the tale, however, Theseus later betrayed her and abandoned her on the island of Naxos. Jennifer Saint reimagines the story in Ariadne, published this week. She tells the story from Ariadne's perspective, speculating about what became of her after she was deserted, as well as that of Phaedra, Ariadne's sister, whom Theseus subsequently married. Having drawn comparisons to Madeline Miller's Circe, the story of the witch who turns Odysseus's men to pigs in Homer's Odyssey, Ms. Saint's first novel is the latest in a recent spate of feminist retellings of Greek myths. Sunny Days, the History of Sesame Street In 1966, Joan Gans Cooney, a television producer, published a report on the potential uses of television for preschool education. Pointing out the importance of stimulation at a young age, as well as the disparity in early learning initiatives across America, she suggested, quote, an imaginative, entertaining, and well-produced series of programs for young children which would contain a high degree of educational content. Out of that grew Sesame Street, the first children's show of its kind. A new documentary tells the origin story of the beloved series, combining new interviews with behind-the-scenes footage of writers, actors and Muppets. Street Gang also shows how the program, which had its premiere in 1969, was influenced by the civil rights movement and sought to impart a message of racial equality. It was all of us having the time of our lives writing silly things, one contributor says, but always with this message that television could be socially valuable. Flat Pack Pasta – Streamlining Dinner Centuries ago, some clever kitchen whiz first mixed semolina flour with water to make a versatile and satisfying foodstuff. Now, a Sino-American research team writing in Science Advances, a journal, has given pasta a 21st century twist – two-dimensional pasta that morphs into a three-dimensional shape when boiled. It begins life looking something like lasagna sheets, but impressed with carefully placed grooves. The principle behind the morphing is ingenious. Grooved pasta cooks more slowly, so the smooth areas expand quicker and furl into predictable shapes. While some forms recall fusilli and penne, they are generally novel, unknown to even the most knowledgeable nonna. More importantly, taste tests suggest they match the flavour and mouthfeel of ordinary pasta and flat pasta can be stored and transported more efficiently with less need for plastic packaging. For the next course, the researchers hope the groovy technique may be applicable to other shape-shifting foods. On the Road Again – Cycling's Young Star Remco Avonapool is the hottest prospect in road cycling. He appears equally competitive on mountains and in time trials. The 21-year-old Belgian enjoyed a glittering 2020, winning all four of the stage races that he entered in Argentina, Poland, Portugal and Spain. Then, in a one-day competition in Lombardy, a region of northern Italy, in August, he misjudged a descent and hit a bridge, falling into a ravine and fracturing his pelvis. 
After months of recovery, Mr. Avonapool has chosen the most prestigious event of his career to start his comeback, the Giro d'Italia, which begins on Sunday. Expectations should be carefully managed after a long time out of the saddle, but cycling-mad Belgians have been waiting decades for an heir to Eddie Merckx, a five-time winner of the Giro and widely considered the best road cyclist of them all. If Mr. Avonapool is back up to speed, the wait could be over. A high flyer brought to earth, Liz Cheney. All her life, Liz Cheney has been an unwavering Republican. Descended from party royalty, she succeeded her father, former Vice President Dick Cheney, as de facto head of the GOP's neoconservative wing. In the George W. Bush years, she held senior posts in the State Department as America fought wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And though the public soured on such unending conflicts, she kept the gospel by co-founding a hawkish national security pressure group, Keep America Safe. Her fealty to the party has been intense. When she ran unsuccessfully for a Senate seat in Wyoming in 2014, she opposed same-sex marriage despite her own sister's union with a woman. That loyalty at first served her well. When Ms. Cheney at last arrived in Congress in 2017 as Wyoming's representative, she ascended the party ranks astonishingly quickly. Within two years, she was appointed chair of the House Republican Conference, the number three post in the party's House leadership. And yet today, she is on the point of being unceremoniously ejected from that role by a simple majority of Republican colleagues. What changed? There is no mystery to that. Ms. Cheney's sin was her frank rejection of Donald Trump's baseless but much-repeated claim that last year's presidential election was stolen. Even after an incensed mob stormed Congress in January, a majority of her fellow Republicans voted not to certify Electoral College votes from states that Mr. Trump had narrowly lost. When Ms. Cheney refused to go along with their cynical ploy and then called loudly for the second impeachment of Mr. Trump, her colleagues were discomfited. Republicans tolerated Ms. Cheney's protests then. She easily survived a recall vote launched by the Trumpiest members of the caucus in February. But she compounded her sin in their eyes by refusing to shut up. Her colleagues have rounded on her while rallying to the ex-president and his favoured protégé Elise Stefanik, a young moderate-turned-Trumpista from New York. Senior House leaders are plotting to anoint Ms. Stefanik in Ms. Cheney's place, probably next week. The lesson from Ms. Cheney's rapid rise and imminent fall is clear. Party loyalty is no longer enough. What counts is subservience to Mr. Trump. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Friedrich Hayek, who was born on this day in 1899. Freedom granted only when it is known beforehand that its effects will be beneficial is not freedom. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.